Good morning, Chair City Church. How are you? Good to see you today. Thanks for the enthusiasm. We are in week four, our last week of our current teaching series, Unseen. Meaning, what do you think about? What do you consider, you know, when you look out into the world, what you might call the real world? Do you only see the physical world and therefore immerse all of your thoughts just solely on what you see? Or do you consider the unseen world around you, the spiritual realms? The past four weeks, we've been talking about the reality that we live in a spiritual world and a physical world. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12 says, the apostle Paul writes, a final word, be strong in the Lord and all his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There is a visible world, and there is an invisible, unseen world. Now, though the spiritual world is invisible, it's not neutral. It's not indifferent, and it's not irrelevant. And sometimes the way we kind of perceive it Although we might not articulate that, but the way we live out our lives, it would seem as if it is irrelevant to us, even as persons who are believers. And in that invisible world, there's a battle going on between good and evil, angels and demons, and God and Satan. Yes, we do believe that. As I said, you know, it's seemingly people might have a difficult time coming to thinking or saying there's a God. And I, I, I get that. I, I, I spent some time as an atheist, and I spent a good amount of my life distant and unapart, apart from God till late 20s. But I think me, like many people, have no problem acknowledging there's evil. I don't, I don't know of anyone I could speak to that would say, do you think there's evil in the world? And they would say, of course. Well, if there's evil, then there's good. And, and if there's evil, then there's Satan. And if, if there's Satan, then there's God, right? There's, these, there's this unseen realm out there. And we have an enemy, and that enemy is Satan. He wants to destroy our soul. He wants to bring us to eternal damnation. He wants to rob us of God's great gift of eternal life that's the great gift god has for that child that we dedicated mason his gift of eternal life life abundantly life lived out to its fullest john chapter 10 verse 10 jesus says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy satan is that thief jesus says i have come that they you and me may have life and have it to the full God wants you to have life to its fullest, not weary, not downtrodden, not surviving, not getting by, but to its fullest. And Jesus says the enemy is coming to kill and destroy your hope. And he says, I've come here. Jesus says, Jesus says I've come here. I've come for you. I've come here so that you might have an average life. Yeah. Jesus said, I've come that you might have a common life. Huh? No, Jesus said, I've come that you may have life abundantly. You may have an extraordinary life. And when you grasp the spirituality of all this, that's your pathway. That's your ticket to this extraordinary life. If you live out focused and dwelling only in the physical and the material and what's going on around you apart from the spiritual part of who you are, 
well, then you're not going to be able to live out life to the fullest and all that God has for you. Jesus did not come that we would live life naturally, but supernaturally. And Satan schemes to rob us of this supernatural, extraordinary life lived out to the fullest life. And the way he does that, his biggest scheme is to get us to think that we live only in a physical world. That in the midst of all the challenges and what's happening and the battles, because of all that, we would just perceive we would only look at the physical. Satan wants to get us all wrapped up, tied up in this physical and material world that we will give little thought, very little, if any, to the spiritual world that is around us, to the spiritual things. Not only recognizing that what could be going on is from the enemy, is a scheme to bring out the worst in us and the worst of those around us, but also that there is a God who is battling for us, a God who inclines to us, a God who, is, as we cry out to him, him, will pull us out of that pit of the steps bare and put our feet on a solid rock and put a new song in our heart. That God. So we get wrapped up in the physical and, and these really temporary things become so monumental to us. You know, am I getting a new iPhone for Christmas? I'm not. I know I am, baby, you are. But am I getting a new iPhone for Christmas? I don't want one. Please, I don't want one, hon. <laughs> how's my 401k doing? How, oh, how's that IRA doing? How's that retirement looking right now, huh? Are the stocks up? Are the stocks down? Depending on how I'm going to love my kids today, depending on how I'm going to take on life, is, is what that paper says, what those numbers read, right? Uh, does he or she like me? Will I get into that college? Am I going to get that promotion? We're so wrapped up. Will I be able to pay for their college, you know? We do. We hold these treasures in our hands and in our arms, and, and we're so distracted by the enemy that instead of taking in that moment that God has given us to adore him and thank him for the treasures of our children, we can get so caught up in anxiety looking towards the future, right, you know? Can I do this? Can I pay for her wedding? Can I, can I send her to college? Can I send him to do this? Will he? Whoa! And God is saying, no, no, I didn't make you to be able to look into the future to have anxiety. I made you to be able to look into the future and have hope, huh? On based on my promises of eternal life that I've called you to salvation. That you can lean into me spiritually, not just focus on the seen and what is physical. We, we, we glance at the spiritual and all that God is, and we gaze at that which is material and physical. And it should be the other way around. Sometimes it takes difficulties or crisis to bring us to that place of even acknowledging that there is a physical. You know, when it hits and it comes on us, and, we, and then we might start to cry out to God and talk with God. It takes a physical challenge and a battle to bring us to realize the spiritual exists. Maybe today you're battling depression, divorce, disease, debt, all those wonderful deeds, right? But in the midst of all that, if you're only looking at the physical and you're missing the spiritual, likely you're losing ground, you're getting weary, you're, you're seemingly losing hope, and God is calling you today to look to the spiritual, that you have an enemy, but you have a greater God, a God who says, take heart, I've overcome the world, I've overcome all of your problems. Lean into me. We read in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, where Paul tells us, 
as he's chained to a Roman soldier in prison. He's under house arrest in the worst of conditions, chained to a Roman soldier. Paul, in Ephesians chapter 6, writes to us about the realities of this spiritual battle. And then, and then in that's verses 10 through 13, and verses 14 through 17, he goes on and he instructs us to put on our armor. You know, he really creatively illustrates what it is to put on armor as he's looking at the Roman soldier and he's taking their helmet, he's taking a breastplate and he's describing what each one would mean to us spiritually as we, as we put on our armor and get ready to go out into battle. Then though in verses 18 through 20 of that same chapter 6, Paul seems now to describe to us what the battle is, this, this fight, what the fight is and how to fight. So let's read Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. And Paul writes, he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Last week we talked about this. Paul says, I'm not a victim. I'm an ambassador in change. I'm God's selected messenger to bring the gospel to this world. That's what you are first and foremost. No matter what you've been told, no matter what you think you are, God has called you to be an ambassador to his gospel to this lost and fallen world. And then Paul says, pray that I may declare it, the gospel, fearlessly as I should. And he goes on. Now, here's what he says. He says, pray five times. Pray, 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 pray. You see, this is the battle. Prayer is the battle. Now, what does that look like when we say pray, pray, pray? We have many different ideas what prayer looks like. When I say that word, you know, depending on each one of us might have this different image in our minds, you know, of what it should look like and what it shouldn't look like. Let's take a look at what it shouldn't look like. Before we begin, since this is Aunt Bethany's 80th Christmas, I think she should lead us in the saying of grace. What, dear? Grace! Grace! She passed away 30 years ago. They want you to say grace. The blessing! Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. 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 <laughs> so that's what it shouldn't look like. You know, the disciples, those who followed Jesus, his first followers, saw Jesus do many great things. But they didn't ask Jesus to show them how to walk on water. They did not ask Jesus to show them how to raise people from the dead. They 
said to Jesus, teach us how to pray, meaning help God, help us grow in prayer as we're watching Jesus do. See, I believe what they saw when they observed Jesus in his time of prayer was this intimacy that Jesus had with his Father in heaven, this closeness, this oneness that Jesus had with his Father in heaven. They didn't see it, prayer, as a formality, but a reality, huh? They saw the spiritual in the midst of the physical. Do you see that? That's what prayer does. Prayer heightens the spiritual in the midst of your physical. They saw that as Jesus grew closer in conversation to God, as Jesus had more communication with his Father in heaven, he drew closer and closer to God. Why? Because prayer is the battle. Prayer is the battle. Prayer is not limited to just the preparation for the battle. Prayer is the battle. It's how you pray. Prayer is the greater work. It's not preparing you for the greater work. Prayer is the great work in you from God. So I believe what the disciples saw and experienced when they watched Jesus prayed was Jesus accessing the presence of God. They saw in prayer, and what we can find in prayer is God's provision, God's power, God's love, God's peace, God's joy. This is how you do battle. This is the battle that when you are going to enter into prayer, Satan does not want that for you. He does not want you to sit there immersed in a time of speaking to your God who created you, who's called you to have life abundantly, that if you were to do that, this is your path to peace and to joy. Satan does not want that. He wants you immersed in the physical where then he can taunt you, where he can tempt you, where he could accuse you, where he could lie to you. It is in prayer where we overcome temptation. It is in prayer where we find strength. Jesus taught prayer is how you enable the up there to come down here. This is where, in prayer, where you engage these two worlds, the physical and the spiritual. Prayer is the battle. So we, uh, I often will, when I'm up here, talk about uh, things that are happening in my personal life. I, I weigh that out to uh, not only the effectiveness of it, um, but is it appropriate? And, and one of the things that holds me more or less in that area of continually to do that is when Christy and I started Chair City Church, one of the values we had was something called transparency. You know, that, that would, we would be sort of, you know, not almost so much an open book, but that we'd be open and, and that people would see that, okay, you know, uh, this stuff we're preaching about and talking about is real and that, and that there's sin, but there's forgiveness and, and that, you know, we fall, but we fall forward into the grace of a loving God, right? And, and what we wanted to make sure was that what happened and what we talk about on Sundays is real on Mondays, you know, that, that we could relate to this gospel truth, that it really does apply to all our lives. So yesterday, uh, I came here with some of my children to check on a few things, and, and in the midst of that, we, I wound up in the kids' area um, in one of the rooms, and one of myself and another children began to get into a disagreement. And, and as I said, I am not like Christy, and for the most part, all of my kids, none of them are exactly like their mom, so therefore, when I say disagreement, it means disagreement. 
And, uh, and you know, it got emotional and it got intense and, 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 and we were going back and forth. And, 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 and each one asserting themselves verbally more and more. Anger, frustration. And we, we, there's times there's 14 preschoolers in there. We made them look docile. And, you know, and the pain comes and tears are coming. And in the midst of all that, what's happening is we're just focusing on the physical, on, on the present happening. And at some point, I, I step back. And, I, and it just hits me like, what, what am, what's going on here? Look at the pain. Look at the sadness. How, how are we here? And I begin to entertain the spiritual, right? And you grab it from where you can, like what God has called me to be in this child's life. Is this what I'm doing right now? What, you know, what does that child need right now? Am I looking at them before myself? Looking also how the enemy could be right now speaking thoughts into this child's life. And what am I doing? Am I supporting those thoughts or am I, by being used of God, thwarting them? I'm being very sincere right now in what was happening. And so at that point, the thing that comes to me to do, because I'm, again, I'm just open to the spirituals, I'm just led to step out now and usher in that spirituality into the relationship with that child by just saying, hey, pause, listen, uh, there is a better way than this. I have not brought you to better way as your father. Now, I still think I know I'm right. <laughs> I, man, I know I'm right. Much as Mason had braids in his hair, man, I am right. But I am not, but I am right in the physical. I am not looking to the spiritual. I have shelved the spiritual in this moment. And my child is suffering because of that, as is my home because of that now. Because we're all in this together. So now I usher in and I, and I confess Scripture tells us to confess our sins to one another. And I confess, I said, I've acted sinfully to my child. This is not how I should be as your father. And I ask that child for forgiveness. And by doing so now, I begin to acknowledge the spiritual, right? In the midst of the physical. And man, it just changes everything. Did it solve it all right there? No. I came home, I was struggling, I went up into my bed, wrapped myself under my covers, didn't talk, didn't want to see anybody, I was in pain over all of that. Pain, it's, it, it doesn't, but, it, but we're, at least we're in the spiritual, at least we're not just getting pounded and pounded. Even this morning, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, 4.30, Chrissy's up, we're talking, I'm expressing some of my challenges, we're talking it through. Uh, even in that, there's some tension, and eventually we come, again, Christy prays, I pray at about 5.30 in the morning, we kind of, 6 o'clock in the morning, we have this kind of a breakthrough moment that is so, is really, uh, you know, is so meaningful, it's like, all oh, the, wow, is a great moment, this is, this is what goes on in my bathroom, and in my bedroom, but my point is all because we entertain, we held on to, we embrace the spiritual, if we were just to go at it from the physical, it's a mess, no opportunities to grow, to heal. No, where, where is the abundant life? Now we have this glimpse, this opportunity for abundant life, to be, this, our relationships to grow stronger and fuller and to glorify God, yes? Listen, 
If you want, we can have extraordinary relationships. I want an extraordinary relationship with my son and my daughters, my sons and my daughters. I want an extraordinary relationship with my wife, huh? Don't you? I want an extraordinary life, don't you? If you want to do extraordinary things, if you want extraordinary relationships, then you must have extraordinary prayer, yes? There are people in this, I know that pray in an extraordinary way. I so encourage you to begin to, you know, in the mornings at 8 o'clock, they're coming in here. At 5 o'clock in the morning during the week, they come together and pray. Coming up just right now, begin to pursue God in the beginning of January. I think it's January 6th. We have those 21 days of prayer where in different ways and, and modes we're praying in people's homes and here at night and in the mornings. And I just really encourage you now to, as you think about, 2019, as you begin to think about the beginning of January, as you think about your quote-unquote New Year's resolution, that you say, you know what, I'm going to kick the ear off good, I'm going to stop by praying, and I'm going to join my church in coming together in prayer, yes? But you know what? Prayer is, it's like, it is the battle. And, and sometimes it is a battle to pray, is it not? You know? It's... It, is it just me or sometimes it seems it's so hard to pray? We can make things so convoluted when it comes to prayer. We can make it so complicated when it comes to prayer, the way we talk to God and all that. Let's look at another video to see how we make it complicated and convoluted. Would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad. You know that. I love You're this. telling me the Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 I'd love to. Pam, come on, it's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace at many a dinner table. It's... Okay. Oh, dear God. Thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, O oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day. Day by day, by day. Oh, dear Lord, three things we pray. To love thee more dearly, to see thee more clearly, to follow thee more nearly, day by day, by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was it. <laughs> Listen, it's a struggle to pray, man. You know, especially when it's just you and you're alone and you're, you're, you're trying to come up. And we do that in front of people, but we do it in ourselves. We get before God and we start to get distracted in our thoughts. And next thing you know, we're like, trying, oh, sorry about that, God. We're we trying to get all serious. We're we trying to get reverent. You know, we're trying to make this conversation turn around fast. And what is God? Look, God's looking for sincerity, right? God is just saying, just come closer to me. Just bring your heart, right? 
I, I, God is wanting intimacy with us. He, God made us for relationship with him. Truly, we were made to be in relationship with God. And I think Satan would rather us do anything else but pray. Meaning, what is prayer? Prayer is us going before God and having an open and honest co- time of conversation with God, right? That we can draw closer to him and therefore see all that he is and that he would speak in our hearts and our minds and is more of him and less than us. And Satan would rather anything but that. And isn't it true that when you start to pray, when you sense you're drawing closer to God, literally all hell breaks loose in your head? Huh? It's like, boom, this and boom, that. And 20 years ago, wham, wham, wham. And you just, you just sit there and say, wait, what? I'm, I'm just drawing closer to God right now. I'm just sensing the presence of God right now. I'm going to intently just know God. I'll sit there sometimes and I'll say, Jesus, 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 I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I have to have you. That's what I'll do until I bring, come to that point of clarity and calmness. Listen, it is a battle to pray, but that is the battle, and battle on. You've heard me say before, we have sayings here. One of them is the best is yet to come. The other is run to the battle. Run to the battle. So Paul calls us to press through this resistance. He calls us to extraordinary prayer. He calls us to pray in the Spirit on all occasions. See, he's saying, don't get caught up in what words we use. The power is not in the words you use. The power is in the one who is listening to the words you're speaking, yes? Paul calls us to pray at all times. Meaning not only when there's a crisis, but prior to the crisis, you'll be so much more prepared for the crisis. Because I don't know if your life is different than mine, but when crisis, it doesn't send you like a note or an email or a text, I'm coming. It just comes, right? Like that was a little bit of a crisis in there, what happened yesterday. It could have been worse, a worse one. But I thank God that if we give God a... He's such a merciful God. He's such a faithful God. He's such a generous God that if we would just give him just a little bit of time, man, how he will magnify himself and glorify himself through that. Yes? Give him, give him a word. Give him your heart. Give him some... Just give, give him your attention, man. Glorify him. Consider the spiritual realms. Consider it as a God. Look to him. Turn your attention away from just that which is going on in your physical world and just look to God. Gaze at God. Jesus gave you access to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You've got to get that. Jesus, his life, his death on the cross, his resurrection made you right before God. It doesn't matter what you've doing or what you did it's what jesus has done yes you can be right with god you can call on god as i said last week at one o'clock in the morning you can sit before god and have this open and honest conversation why do you wrestle with sleep why are you filled with anxiety why are you struggling apart from god why are you just hooked on the physical and having these conversations internally within yourself apart from having a sincere honest conversation with your God, laying out your worry, your fear, your concern, your frustration, just putting it out there and letting God work his Holy Spirit through all of that. Go before God 
and be thankful even right now you have access to God and be thankful right now we can praise him this morning right now we can praise God for this child that we dedicated this precious child this wonderful family we can praise God that we got to be a part of that today and that God is calling a child to him Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20, Paul says, Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That might be chapter 5. So here Paul's calling us to praise, to, have, to praise God, to have gratitude with God, have an attitude of gratitude to your God. No matter what you're going through, you can be thankful. Prayers of gratitude are connected to prayers of praise. To the extent you're going to have gratitude and thanksgiving to God, it's going to be the extent that you're going to be praising God. And it's hard to be down, depressed, to be anxious, to be angry and frustrated when you're praising God. Praise God this morning. From the depths of your soul, praise your God. Prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving are pathways to intimacy with God, closeness, a oneness, and openness to your God, to your creator, to your Father in heaven. Psalm 100 says, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Sing with joy this last song. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. Acknowledge God. He's here. He's in your life. He's working in you and through you. He made us and we are his. You are God. You belong to him. You are a child of God. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Thank you, Jesus. Give thanks to him and praise his name. This is what you do in your prayers. Praise God. When thoughts come in, when distractions come in, praise his name. Praise the name of Jesus. For the Lord is good, verse 5. His unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Prayer is not getting more things from God. Prayer is getting more of God himself. And why is that important? Because we live in a physical world and a spiritual world. We live amongst the seen and the unseen. That's what's happening in your life right now. That which is seen and that which is unseen. You are a spiritual being wrapped in a physical body. Remember that. You are a spiritual being wrapped in a physical body in a world that is both physical and spiritual. You were made to have relationship, to have communion, to have intimacy with the one true God, and that is made possible by Jesus Christ. And today, you came in here, and maybe you did not know Jesus Christ personally, intimately, huh? Where you have these honest conversations with Jesus and with your God, where you speak to God about asking him for forgiveness for that which you've been thinking or doing and you just know it's just sour man you know it's you could do better you know it's really not leading you to this freedom that you desire real independence real freedom you, it, it, you don't have that abundant filled life that you you want but today today you begin your next step to your new life as you 
call out to God as you trust in Jesus, who's made a way from you. Today you're coming to faith because God has stirred you. He's calling you to him. He has ordained this moment for you right now for you to thank him. Thank you, God, for bringing me in here. Thank you, God, for my, as I've confessed my sins to you and I realize I'm missing the target and lived apart from you. Forgive me for this, oh God. Draw me closer to you. I want to live for Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want a relationship with Jesus. If that is you and you are having this conversation with God and that conversation with God continues as we sing and praise God huh, and worship him in this last song, you take that connection card and on the back it says, my next step, my next step to freedom, to joy, to peace is starting a new relationship with Jesus, is to renew my relationship with Jesus. Man, I've been living out this Christian thing out of whack. But today I resolve that. Today I will live spiritually. Today I will praise God. You check that box off and you bring that card, that connection card to the guest services table and they will give you a package. It's a gift. There's a Bible. There's some other good information to get you going. We thank God for what he's doing in your life. To God be the glory.